and we are live here we go so we're back we're doing this how do you how are we going to introduce ourselves are we the guild or what do we (laughs) yeah i guess we should have talked about that before we press record button eh? but um (laughs) Anyway, this is uh, Tim Carson, and uh, I have a podcast and a blog called The Guild, and you can find that at tscarson.ca. This project is associated with an open educational resource project uh, through BCIT, and to be uh, all transparent, we have been paid to develop some material uh, for a topic called entrepreneurial leadership, and so we are going to provide you with two podcasts, one on mindset and a second one on the entrepreneurial business side of the text that we put together. And so with me today, we have Chad Flynn. And here I am, Chad Flynn. My name is Chad Flynn. I teach an entrepreneurship for the trades course at BCIT. And this is just, it's great to be here and to be discussing this stuff. This is something that Tim and I have been talking about for years now. And to be able to actually work on a project together, it's just been a dream come true. Very good. Very good. So um, I guess what we'll we'll do with this, Chad, is uh, we'll focus in on one of the chapters that you had written in the text. And uh, maybe uh, you take the lead on this and guide us through and um, we'll chat about the different uh, different headings. Sounds good, Tim. I'm going to start out with the um, if you're following along in the book, I'm going to start out with a quote from Mahatma Gandhi that talks about your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your values, your values become your destiny. And this chapter that we're discussing is specifically talking about values and how important they are and how often we don't take the time to really figure out what our own personal values are, whether we realize that we have them or not, we do have values, but there are also some other values that we can work towards getting and how those all tie into starting a business and the values that go into that. So I really wanted to discuss that. And so the first heading that we're going to talk about is what is a value? Now, Tim, without cheating, what would you say? How would you define a value? Well, I would I would define a value as something that is important to you uh, and something that uh, originates, hence the name core, originates with your core personality or your core mm-hmm. being or your core ethic or your core philosophy. And it's so powerful that for you to compromise that would put you into what they call a uh, dissonance or cognitive dissonance. Interesting. Can you expand on It's funny that you mentioned cognitive dissonance because I was reading about that earlier and I was wondering if you could just give a quick description or definition of what cognitive dissonance is. Sure. Cognitive dissonance. And I'm, I'm not a psychologist and nor do I play one on the internet, but um, my, my perspective and definition of cognitive dissonance is that someone acts in direct contradiction to their ethical moral framework. And so if somebody has a, a moral framework that includes no theft uh, and they go and steal, they will have this internal conflict within themselves and they will try to rationalize it in their head as to why they tried to do it or why they did it or why they were successful doing it. And so that process of wrestling in it with it in your mind, so to speak, is that dissonance piece. The dissonance means that it's not, it's not on the same wavelength. Uh, and it's, a, it's, you know, it's kind of apropos for what we're doing here in the sense that 
um, if you have an ethic that 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 operates at a certain bandwidth or or a certain hertz level, and then mm-hmm. you do something that's not in tune with that, it, that's called dissonance. And so, cognitive yeah. dissonance means that you you cannot you cannot come to grips with it easily, uh, and you have to you have to you have to make excuses or ignore it, press it down um, to try and deal with that um, dissonance. And that's the thing. And I, I think it's so very important is that we, whether you realize you have these values or not, and for myself, the way I would define the value is kind of the lens or the framework that you see life through. So some examples that are really easy to determine, like I've got written in the book here, like family first, honesty, dependability, hard work. Those are all kind of your values. So unless you have an understanding of those though, you can end up, especially as an entrepreneur and as a business person, doing things that might not sit right and then you have that feeling of cognitive dissonance where this, you know, that what you're doing isn't right, it, but there's, it can really affect you in the subconscious way and just kind of sit and not feel good. And so I think that's why it's important as business owners and as those of us who want to become business owners to take the time to understand what our values are so we can learn how to play within those values. And I just think that is so very important or else you're going to get yourself into some awfully big trouble that you don't need to be in. Yeah, I would totally agree with that because there's a, there's a style of leadership called values based leadership or values based decision making. And I mean, it's, it's self-explanatory, your, your leadership style and, and the choices that you make and the activities you partake in and, and even the things that you do or how you lead are all based on a value system. And more often than not, those value, that value system is your own. Right. And so you know, so some leaders really struggle with that because they, they have a certain, let's just call it a certain framework that they do their leadership in and they find it hard to operate outside of that framework when it comes to doing transactional activities with some of their followers. Right. And so, um, it's, it's interesting because I was listening to another podcast where somebody was saying that, you know, when they were, when they were working in a different country, um, they heard that, one of the, one of the bosses was skimming some cash off of their employees. And the person who heard this happened to be American. Mm -hmm. And so he went to the employees and said, Hey, like, is this really going on? Like, is is he skimming from your paychecks? And and that's the cognitive dissonance piece because it's not fitting with his, with his value system. Mm -hmm. And yet the employees were very much like, well, yeah, that's, that's just what he does. He's our boss. And yeah, we, we just expect that he will <laughs> skim a little bit off our paychecks. And so the, the, the commentator on the podcast was saying it was really hard to wrap their head around because if that was mentioned in the States, yeah, um, that, that person who was doing that activity would have been just beaten up. Oh yeah. Right. And, and not let alone fired. Like that's, that's just the beginning part of it. And well, fraud and, and another, so much that's wrong with that for us. For sure. For sure. But in a different context, it's not only practiced, it's expected, right? So there's, there's a values-based leadership that happens, but then you have to be willing to step outside of that value system, knowing that if you're in a, if you're in a foreign context, some of the values that you have in your system may not match the system that you're in. Again. And again, that yes, totally. I cannot agree more. And again, it just goes to show how important it is for you to identify what your own values are so that you know when you're stepping outside of that. And also mm-hmm. 
we, as we talk, we'll, we'll get more into this in a bit probably, but how your personal values might not always be the same as your business values, that there's going to be some disconnect there sometimes. And I'm not saying that, you know, honesty in personal, but dishonest in business. It's just that so often we find entrepreneurs like take their personal values and they become the business values, which oftentimes is the case and it gets started with. But then as you start to build your business, there'll be some other values that pop up that might become more attuned or more aligned with your business. And they could be good, good values, but they might not necessarily be something that's important to you in your personal life. So it becomes a, a juggling act in the fact that you've got a personal side and a business side. And I find that's the, that's the hard part of being an entrepreneur is that understanding that there's two sides to it. There's, there's the personal side and then there you're also building a business. And again, I'm not by any means saying you're to be dishonest. I'm just saying that there might be some other great values that are more aligned with your business that are not aligned with your personal side. So how does that work when somebody goes through the whole process of aligning values to values or creating a value uh, statement for their company? And you can't help it. There's going to be some bleed over from oh, your own 100%. values and the values of your company, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, and especially yeah. as you first start out, because it'll be just you or you and another guy. And uh, it's really super easy to have those values align. Mm-hmm. Um, but what 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 is the outcome when those values become misaligned? So like you're saying, sometimes the business values are different from the uh, entrepreneurs or the or the founders' values what do they do with that? Like, how do they, how do they manage that? Well, it's it's funny that you should mention, I was just reading about that, about how important it is to revisit these values. And especially taking this course, if you are taking this course, by the end of this book that you're taking part in right now, you are going to come up with a vision statement. So what is recommended is that you revisit that vision statement at least once a year. And what will often happen is a lot of these business owners will revisit it once a month just to kind of go over it, just to remind themselves where the values are, are the things that need to tweak because it's a system and all systems need to be realigned, tweaked and tuned up. So it's so very important to take that time and reassess as to where you are, reassess what your mission is as opposed to your vision. And you might need to make some changes. And so that might mean as you're, as the business grows and you're bringing more and more people on board, that you need to bring them into creating the vision as well. And so they talk about leadership teams and how you want to sit down with your leaders and come up with a vision for that or a values-based document for your business based off of the team. Bring the team in and have them become part of that. And because they're all helping build something that's bigger than all of us, right? So that's, that's the thing that's important. So yeah, I, I think, again, reflection, taking the time to just sit back and say, okay, this was good now, but maybe not now or it was good then, but maybe not now. These are the important skills. And I think bringing other people into the fold to help you build those values could be extremely beneficial. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at the chapter that's in the book and, and you've listed a few. <laughs> 330 of them. 330 core values. Yeah. Yep. And so no wonder what you say in regards to some of those values are going to change yeah. from person to business. And, and even I would, I would imagine that at some point the business core values will change as the business changes. I, I totally think that has to happen because if you're starting out small and then is it, especially in the trades, if we're talking about a trades business, you're starting out small with just yourself and you're just doing little side jobs. But next thing you know, in a couple of years, you could be having a crew of 15 people 
and your mm-hmm. job is no longer doing, you're not meeting with the clients anymore. You're not, you're, you're managing and you're getting jobs, you're getting quotes. So your values need to change in, in the position you're in. And so again, then the business has to change its values as well, because you've got to go for growth. Maybe growth wasn't a value before, but now growth has become a big value. So it is important to, to kind of realign with those things and just to take time to even understand what different words are out there for values. As I wrote this, there's just so many, like we joke about 330 values, but some lists were going close to a thousand. So there are different ones well, out there. Some of them are got to be synonyms, right? They can't all be different values. Like when you're reaching a thousand values, that's, that's crazy. Know, there's, but the ones that I went through here, I, I tried to make sure there was some synonyms that, synon, synonyms, uh, synonyms that came up. But th- for the most part, out of the 330 that I've got, I think I could have put in some more, but some of them just, I didn't, they just didn't sit right with me anyway. So they didn't, they didn't align with your values. <laughs> there you go. See, even writing a book, <laughs> my values are coming through. So yeah. Nice. So there was one that was like, nice. one of the values that I came across was fuzziness. I was like, well, I'm not putting fuzziness, fuzziness? on my list, meaning warm and fuzzy. And that's an important part of who you are is to have that. Oh, fuzziness. Wouldn't that be called empathy? That's exactly what I'm saying. I like to use the stronger terms like empathy as a word to fuzzy. (laughs) Fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the trades. We want to get away from the woo woo, right? Exactly. Well, here's a good, here's a great example, Tim. Education. Now for myself, when I'm just getting started that as a personal value for myself, it's hugely important. It is one of my driving values. If I start a business, education is going to be centered around that. But then as, as my business grows, maybe it growth becomes more important to me than education because if for my business side, whereas I'm always educating myself personally, but my business side, I need to, okay, there's only me and another person. So I'm not going to really use education as my value, but growth becomes stronger. Right. So these are the, the ideas that have kind of been kicking around. Right. Or hiving off of that, you may think that, you know, your own personal education, you're done with it, but you'd want to see your technicians become broader based in their knowledge of certain equipment Definitely. or uh, cer- certain uh, service techniques or, or even how they deal with clients. And so yep. as a company's value system, the company would value education. Yes. And again, you've seen companies yeah. like that. I worked for a company recently doing a side, side business, working for consulting with them on some uh, marketing and they just, at the beginning, it was growth. That was their number one value was growth. And then they realized that they'd had, mm. they just hired 15 people and there was just a big mishmash of people not understanding how things were running and operation systems. So then suddenly they slowed down on the growth value and they adopted a whole education value mindset in the sense that they started, they signed up to LinkedIn learning and they have started assigning tasks and courses to their, their employees. And they started building systems and, having meetings about educating about how we run the company. So it just shows that you you don't get stuck in your values. That's the nice thing about values is they will change. And I, I even look at myself personally, my values have changed from when I was 19 to now that I'm in my mid to late forties. So right. do not be afraid to right. revisit these things. That's, and again, talking trades and talking all the woo talk, we don't take the time to reflect enough and we don't take time to sit down and try to figure out what our actual core values are. And just to keep us back on track with the book, there's different types of values that a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni discusses. And it's somebody that you introduced me to probably about three years ago. 
and I've just been driving with recently. And he talks about core values, which is what we've been discussing basically, which are the values that guide all of our actions, the lens, the framework, however you want to place that. Then they talk about aspirational values. And these are values that you aspire to have. And they're values that you're working towards, but do not yet have in place. So don't think that your values are, you're just born with them. And that that's, you are who you are. There are values that you can aspire towards and to work towards. Right. So I think that's Mm -hmm. so important. And that's one of those things that as tradespeople, we don't take the time to sit down and go through that list of values, which is next. We'll talk about how we can determine what our values are. Yeah. And that's, and that's a good point that you make, because I often think of some of the buzzwords that are running around circles now and execution is, is a, is a massive piece that it's been massive for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but it's a skill that you can grow in. And so if, if, if you don't have it as your own personal core value, then it, then it might be hard to translate into your business. But if you want your business to have execution as a core value, uh, that takes, that takes intentionality and it, it takes focus and, and it, and it takes reflection. And like mm-hmm. you said, um, I'm wondering, um, about the focus piece of it in the sense of the core values in that, how, how long should it take somebody to sit down and, and do a, a core values assessment or some kind of value catalog and are you advocating for a core value statement or a value statement or a mission statement and all that stuff? I am. So I'll start, I'm going to answer your first question. I think it really depends on who you are, but I do think that if you take at least a couple hours to sit down uninterrupted hours, like go out for coffee, throw in some headphones, take this list, spend some time reflecting, go for a walk, but take a couple hours at least to go through these values, this list that is provided in the book of 330 words, go through those words and say, okay, this one resonates with me, write it down. And you might end up with a list of another 40 from there. Say, okay, I've got these 40 values. And then from there, just keep paring it down until you hit about five to 10 core values is what's suggested. So for some though, it might take a while, like as an exercise that you and I do generally towards the end of the year is we spend a time, I know you spend more time doing this than I do, but you kind of reflect on the past year and reflect on where you're going. Right. And you spend days working on that. So mm-hmm. it depends on who you are. Whereas I, I spend probably a good solid I don't know, eight hours working on my kind of vision statement or my value statement for my personal life. So it's something that you can take. I think you can take baby steps in and then kind of grow it from there, see how you deal with it or how you like it. But I do think Good. it is an important exercise. So I would definitely recommend, and which I recommend to my students, is spending at least two to three hours going through this. And we talk about, I've talked about before with my students, is finding your why. And there's a link to a Simon Sinek video within the book that I would highly recommend making sure you watch. But, and again, I talked to my class about, make sure you take that time, watch this video. And in this case, take these words, spend some solid time figuring out what your five to 10 core values are. And then from there, to answer the second part of your question, I 100% advocate having both a mission statement and a vision statement, and so or value statement. So, but in order to do that, you need to understand what your values are, which brings us back to this original exercise. So I don't want to right. overwhelm, but let's take baby steps here and just sit down and kind of go through how we can figure out what your core values are. Because some of, us, some of them will be easy to list off, but other times we're going to take, need to kind of dig a little deeper and harder. Right. So why don't, why don't you uh, start unpacking that for us a little bit? How do we, how do we begin 
to arrive at a set of core values? Well, it's, I've got a list here, which is funny enough. It's all in the book here. So life experience. So oftentimes our values can be identified through our life events. So if you take some time and reflect on a time in your life that was meaningful and memorable, or maybe somebody in your life that was meaning, meaningful and memorable, then you're going to kind of identify and going to having that list in front of you. It's so important to take that PDF that is available to you, print it off. And as you're reflecting on those times, try to identify some of those words that come through. So for myself, I, some of my best memories in my entire life was when I was working with my grandfather, my granddad, every weekend, it was my job to hop on my bike. I'd bike for about 40 minutes to his house in Crescent beach. And we would, I'd have to do yard work. And then he had some sort of project that we worked on. So I would, I did that from the time I was probably 10 till the time I was about 19. For me, when I look back at that time and I see, okay, I have such great memories of spending time with my grandfather and in all that, I learned that, okay, from that, I learned hard work. And so that's a value that's important to me. Family. Well, it was my grandfather. Family is a value that's important to me. Belonging. I felt like I felt like it was a safe place for me to be. So I felt like belonging was that's an important value to myself. So it's those things, again, reflecting on times in your life where things were going really well. And it's kind of trying to pick words from that list. That really helps out quite a bit. I find that's a great place to start just going through your life experiences. Before you do any of that, though, there are going to be some that you can just write down right off the top of your head. Next up is you've got your life code of conduct. So what is the most important thing in your life? What are the things that make you feel fulfilled, content, and whole? Take some time and reflect on those questions. So that's where you you come up with the ones like family is important or uh, honesty is important. Being creative for myself, that's a great one. I love creating things, building things, even if it's working, creating courses. Like that's the thing that I love to do. So those are things that make me happy in life. And then from there, I'm going through and figuring out from these experiences where, where, how can I pick the words out that are on my list of, of values here? Next up, we've got know yourself. So this is a step I think is the hardest one. And again, this is why it takes time to do these things. And maybe you're not going to be doing them all in one go. Maybe you're going to take an hour here and there, but take the time to do them. So take a look at your biggest accomplishments. Take a look at your biggest failures. And try to find themes from those things. So again, I've really been focused on my education. Like I've, I've worked towards getting scholarships my whole life. It's always been an edu- working towards, I love being in school, whether it was university or trade school. So looking at that, to me, it tells me it's a no brainer that education is very, very important to me. And then I'm not going to go into my three biggest failures in the podcast, but going from identifying failures, you can also identify things that were important. Like why did that feel wrong and going back to your term of cognitive dissonance when things don't feel right you might not understand why and that's where you need to take the time to really sit there and be mindful and like we've talked about before tim metacognition understanding why you're feeling the way you are is so very important especially when you're in business because then what happens is this doesn't feel right why doesn't it feel right because it doesn't jive with me well why doesn't it jive with me because it goes against my values well what value does this go against and then you can start identifying values that way and then a big one too for myself is i always look to people who i admire and love and this is where i get more into the aspirational values so there's values that i might have seen that my grandfather had that i aspired to get and now they are core values to myself so going back to that whole 
you're not just stuck with your number one, your five to 10 core values for the rest of your life. They can change. You can aspire to have some and they can get locked in there. And they do. I, I do have that feeling. I know that for, from experience. So those would be some great exercises, I think, to help identify what your core values might be. And so, yeah, I, do you have anything that you wanted to add or ask there, Tim? Sorry, I was just uh, clearing my throat there. I was just getting emotional as you're working through all that. Um, <laughs> the, um, the thing that stuck out to me the most in all of that was the, one of the questions that you ask, actually, and it's what are the things that you find yourself continuously arguing or defending to others? Yeah. And sometimes I think we, sometimes I think we kind of, I don't think we mask it. I don't think mask is the right word, but sometimes I don't think we, we think or reflect back upon certain things that make us feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I, if I get into an argument with my wife, for instance, it's usually because I'm wrong and she's right. But there's, there's, there's always a time that I think about, well, why am I so staunchly defending this one thing? What, what's, why, why is this so important to me that I'm willing to go tooth and nail and, uh, and, and go through a, a bunch of different things? What, what's driving that? So I, I really like that question of what do you find yourself continuously arguing or defending to others? Because that will reveal, I think, a deeper, a deeper commitment or a deeper value that you have that you might've just passed off as, well, I'm just being stubborn. Well, okay. You might be being stubborn, but why are you being stubborn? Right. right? And, so, and start digging into that. Why does, why does that one thing make you feel this mm-hmm. way? And because it's, it's obviously deep inside you to create that kind of emotional response that, um, that we begin to, we begin, if we begin to dig into that, I think there's a lot of fruit in there. The other thing that you mentioned was failure. And, um, I'm not going to talk about my failures either here, but I was, I was, as I was thinking through the time before we started recording this podcast, I was thinking about the topic of failure because, well, I, I don't think you can lead and I don't think you can be a good business person without going through failure, it's how we learn because everyone it's every, exactly it's how we learn and everyone's going to go through it. Um, in fact, uh, there's, there's a quote that I I've written down and I, and I, it, I, I read it, but I listen to it more than I read it. And the person says that, you know, if, if, if they call you a champion, can they really call you a champion if you've never lost? Right. Right. Because there's something about failure or losing that touches people deep in their yep. core and, and, and to, and to start messing around with that, I think is in most cases, a good mm-hmm. thing uh, if, if it's done in a healthy yep. way. And so to be a nerd, uh, I put together a little acronym about failure and it's, I'm not using the word failure. So I didn't <laughs> want to make it that obvious, but the, the acronym is, is face it. So face it like face, like your face and then okay. it. Can I Yo, share that with you? Please. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the F is stands for forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And again, this is all in the context of failure, forward thinking, meaning, are you going to take that situation and move forward because of it? Um, and so 
one thing that comes out of it is like lessons learned. What did you learn from this? Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the market? What did you learn about, you know, execution? What did you learn about your employee? What did you learn about your supplier? All those things helps you think forward and, and keeps you moving forward in, in, in that uh, trajectory that a lot of entrepreneurs want to be in. Obviously the a is accept and adapt. And so you need to accept the fact that you're going to fail. Nobody's perfect. You can't run a perfect business. You're not going to have perfect employees. You're not going to have perfect clients. And so you have to accept that, but it's not a resignation in accepting it, you're going to accept it and you're going to adapt because of it, because you know that there's going to be failure, whether it's in yourself, your employees, your suppliers, your clients, whatever you adapt for that. So you start planning contingencies essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, The C part is the, is character and knowing that people who are really successful, not just in, in business, but in life and whatever that looks like. And however you define that term success, uh, failure builds your character. Definitely. And so, you know, it, you, there, we all know of people who have made big mistakes <clears throat> and tend to blame it on other people or, or tend to blame it on market or tend to blame it on the bank or th- there's a, there's a hundred different people to blame but they they never blame themselves. Right. And so to me, that reveals a lot about their character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So failure will, will, will reveal your character. <clears throat> the, um, the E part is end. And what I put in brackets beside that is end the lament. And what I mean by that is that one, it's okay to feel crappy about your failure. Mm-hmm especially as tradespeople, we don't want to tell people about how we failed. We don't want, we obviously don't want people seeing what we've done um, because we take pride in what we do. And and for the most part, if we're, if we're any kind of quality tradesperson, we're going to take pride in our work. We're going to take pride in our, in our word. um, And that's just who we are. And when we mess up, especially if it's a big mistake, you know, there's, there's a mourning process that, that happens with that. And it's okay to go through some of those things and go, you know what? Yeah, that was, that sucked. That really sucked. I hated that. And these are the reasons why, and you don't have to journal it, although that would be fantastic because it gets it out on paper for you to go back and look at later on. It kind of becomes these, these cheat notes or Cole's notes that you can go back and look at, but you can just think about these things and it, it does almost the same thing, but you have to come to a point where you end that. Yeah. Where you end the lamenting, you end the the pity party, you end the, the selfishness, sorrow piece that you just go, woe is me. Um, because that can crush you and can, can crush all of your, all of your entrepreneurial spirit. Definitely. Um, the I is invest and invest means, or what I mean by that is in corrective measures. So it doesn't mean invest more money into the company. It doesn't, and it may mean that, but what I really mean by that is find out through this process of reflection, thinking, and, and moving forward is that you're identifying some corrective measures that you can one start right away or ones you plan into your business model. And so you make it, you make a commitment to invest some corrective measures. So for instance, I know one, uh, um, contractor who went away for, for a vacation and 
he knew that there was going to be problems because he didn't have systems set up to take care of things when he was gone. But he left it as it was, and he took that time to show his his people, and he, he doesn't have a big company, so he's able to show most of his employees what happened when he was gone. And, it, and so what he did is he invested in corrective measures later on so that when he does go on holidays, there's now systems in place to take care of things when he's gone. Gap analysis. And so, yeah. So whether it's a gap analysis or whether it's, you know, one of those things that the military does where they look back and okay, so we did this maneuver and it didn't work. Why didn't it work? What are we going to do differently? How are we going to make sure it's successful next time? And, and so there's just a bunch of reflective questions that focus on the event and not you as the person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the investing piece is you're investing those corrective measures to make sure that you don't duplicate mistakes. And then the T is time and knowing that over time, you're going to get better. You're going to make fewer mistakes over time. Your mistakes may be, you know, more significant because, you know, you're, you're growing as a company or your contracts are bigger or whatever, but you, as you learn from your mistakes, you, you hopefully don't repeat them. And so in, in time, you will make less of those smaller Mm -hmm. ones. And going back to the forward thinking and the accepting piece, you know, you're going to make bigger ones in the future, but that's okay. Cause you've kind of set the foundation and built the framework to deal with those failures. Now with the little ones that can help you go through those bigger ones. And so Uh, there's a quote that I want to end this little piece with from Winston Churchill. He says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that really counts. Right. That's awesome. And yeah. And so, um, along with that, uh, there's another, there's another quote that I came across. It says success and failure are both part of life and both are not permanent. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. So you, you never arrive at success. Yeah. As, as much as you want to define it, you never arrive there, but failure is not permanent either. You can move out of it. You can grow out of it. So it was, that's kind of what I was thinking about and what I had written down, uh, when, when you had talked about failure, I had no intention of sharing it, um, right now, but I, there it, well, it is. totally fits. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I think, and one thing that came to mind as you're sharing was we are, and this is another thing that trades people. We don't need to go through this alone. And when it comes to our values, it's a good idea to share your values and share your, share your experiences, share your failures, share your successes with people, because there's not only is it a good sounding board, but sometimes they're going to call things to your attention that you maybe did not notice before. So I like, I, I'm thinking back to even a year ago, I had something come up in my life and you were there to kind of be a sounding board for me and brought to my attention some things that I needed to work on. And it was an area that I moved forward into and I leaned into it and it was actually, it became an amazing experience and I learned so much and became a way better person through that. So I think as we go through and determine what our core values are, we don't have to do it alone. And that you could bring people into your exercise, bring the people closest to you, your spouse, your friends, people that you can talk to or find people that you can talk to and share these things with because being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. And there are so many entrepreneurs out there that it does not have to be. So find people that you can talk to, that you can share your values with, that can call you on some things that can bring to light some of the values that you have. And maybe some values that you have that aren't always the greatest. And that's another thing that I think needs to be discussed. Maybe not totally too much. We have, 
I want to focus more on the good than the bad, but sometimes we have values in our lives that maybe need to change and maybe need to be shifted. So we need those people to show us or tell us those values that seem to be popping up that are not in alignment with who we want to be. And so that's an area that friends and and family members can help with. Absolutely. And um, as we wrap up, you might, would you mind telling people about uh, the Electric Academy? Because I think you do a good part uh, or a good deal of work in regards to connecting people through that. So why don't you take a few minutes to tell people about the Electric Academy? Well, the Electric Academy, Academy is, it's a blog that I started about six years ago now. Oh, time goes by really fast. Uh, It started out as just me building tutorial videos for my students. And from there, it became just to get the word out. I, I had a Facebook group that's kind of grown and put out like an email newsletter. And so now I'm sitting at a community of probably, I talk to roughly around, I've got 1500 on the Facebook. I've got 4,000 through my email list. And there's a community of about 17,000 people on YouTube. And I don't throw those numbers out to talk about how great it is. I throw those numbers out to talk about how it's a community that is very, very exciting. So if there's a problem that I find that I'm going through or a question I have in today, there's just a great example of that. So I'm glad you brought this up, Tim, is there is one of the Academy members, the Electric Academy members, messaged me and he had a problem with a transformer and he could not for the life of him figure it out. So he asked if it'd be all right if he called me. And so he gave me a call from Omaha, Nebraska. And we talked through this transformer issue he was having and it was dumbfounding me. So I hopped onto the community and I asked the community what they thought it might be. And within minutes, people were connecting with each other, discussing issues. And it ended up being what one of the Academy members thought it was. It was an open neutral or sorry, an open Delta system that ended up having a ground on an A phase, which means nothing to anybody besides the fact from we figured it out together as community. So having community there to bounce these ideas off of and share with each other was just invaluable. And that's what I think social media can get a bad rap in the fact that we always talk about how it's killing relationships and you know people are always looking at their phones. But there's also so much good that becomes that can come from it and building community and sharing and finding like-minded people and I just think that if you're having problems connecting with people about these values or based values based leadership and anything like that, there is a community out there online. You just need to go looking for them and you will find your people out there. You will find your tribe. You'll find the people that you can connect with, talk to about it. And it's a safe place to do it because it's the internet. And so you can, there's some anonymity, anonymity there if you want it, or you can just be completely as open as you need to be. So yeah, that's, I, is that kind of where you were heading it, Tim, when you asked that question? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's good. So as we uh, wrap up the session, it's uh, super important that uh, if uh, there's pieces of that um, textbook that you haven't read, that you go back and read it. And I'd like to also highlight that we put references in there so that you can follow up with uh, your own reading time or your own uh, personal development time. And uh, maybe you want to pick up some of those books that we reference or download some of those articles that we've used to help inform us build these chapters. Because kind of like we said in the beginning in the introduction of of the book, uh, this is just a small snippet of our heart and our value for the trades, especially when it comes to training and education. 
and and we leave it in your hands. And so uh, this is by no means the end. This is uh, just the beginning. And um, it would probably do you well to go through at your own time and leisure and look up some of those references and uh, start mm-hmm. reading and taking notes and continue building on yourself as you build your company, you as always you build ha- others. You, you always have access so, to this book. So that's the nice thing. It's not in a closed system. You've got it. So just keep going back through it. It's a resource that's available to you at all times. And some of those articles that you've shared and some of the books we both read and shared, Tim, are just, as we both know, invaluable. So I highly, I just want to second what you were saying. Yeah. Awesome. Good. So with that, we'll, uh, we'll call it a, a an end or an evening, so to speak with, uh, this portion of, uh, our podcast. And, uh, we, uh, wish you all the success in the world, not just for your business, but for yourself personally. And, uh, in your own context and where you live and work. So uh, until then, we'll uh, see you on the other side.